All right. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday weekend preview edition. Once again, the boys are back. It's UFC 272, Dominic. The biggest grudge match in a while. Yeah. Especially friends turned enemies. Yeah. You know, hopefully this is not something we're going to watch and maybe see a little bit of us in Defer Down the Road, right? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. But on this episode, it is all UFC 272, essentially. I mean, that is that is the bread and butter. But it has been a busy fight week, people. It seems like, I mean, dare I say, for as big of a fight as we're about to get and a big of a card, it feels like a lot of the uh, attention is elsewhere. And Yeah, I mean, it's been I put on the back burner. I can't blame people. You know, we're going to mention, we're going to talk about it here in a minute about Cain Velasquez, and then we're going to get into that UFC 272 some Kayla Harrison updates, uh, Sam Alvey updates, what everybody's been waiting for. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, more UFC 272. So really strap in, buckle up. Yeah, exactly, Dominic. You, you're like a flight attendant showing them, like show them how to yes. use their... <laughs> yes, yes. But before we just jump right in, I'm going to talk to my co-host, the one in the mustard yellow shirt, That's Dominic right. Sully. How are you feeling on this Thursday? Actually, Dominic, your shirt kind of reminds me of the canvas of UFC 200. Ah, yeah, it does kind of look like that, huh? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm juiced. I'm energized. No, we have a huge card. We've got a lot of news. Uh, and, and really, I'm just going to say it now, people, for those that are complaining about the card, I'm not with it. I, I'm not mm. liking the bitching. I'm not liking the complaining. I'm going to have a lot of fun watching this card. We obviously have a huge rivalry in the main event, but great undercard fights on the main card, on the prelims. Uh, lots of fun for the betting aspect when we have our betting show tomorrow on Friday. So it's going to be a fun day to uh, sit here in the studio with my friend Noah. It's going to be great. How are you feeling heading into UFC 272? Well, I feel like I'm running on fumes right now. Work is kind of killing me, but... I, it does make give me a little more excited for the evening, you know, when I get off work that I'm like, okay, I got this, I got my podcasting to do, so I'm excited oh, yeah. about that. And honestly, I might be a little more peeved if I had been seeing a lot of this, what you're talking about, a lot of the, the animosity towards this card, but I'm not really seeing it. Yeah. And maybe I'm just not looking. Again, I told you off recording, like, I pretty much went to bed at like 8 p.m. last night, didn't wake up till. uh 8 a.m. or 7.30 yeah. in the morning. Again, I get off work at 5. That's not a lot of time to really catch up <laughs> on the world. So I basically was just not a person for a day. So I've been trying to catch up, but I don't get great reception at work. And obviously, you know, I've I'm noticed working. That. I'm working, obviously. I never... Uh, yes, right. Never on my phone. But because of that, I feel like I've missed a lot of the shit talk. And, I, and I, I've seen a little bit with the co-main event. We'll talk about that. But all in all... I'm here. I'm excited. Yeah. So before we get into UFC 272, (laughs) we're going to start with a pretty heavy topic. And it's Cain Velasquez. He's been kind of the one dominating the headlines this week. Um, To be honest, we're not going to have a whole lot to say here, but we do just kind of want to put it out there for now. So Cain Velasquez was arrested, I believe, Monday. Is that correct, Dominic? Monday? I think so. It was Monday or Tuesday, but yes. Okay, so he was arrested, charged with attempted murder, premeditated murder, uh, weapon charges. Basically, uh, details right now are pretty scarce. There's a lot that's probably going to come out about this, but 
Um, Cain Velasquez apparently was in some sort of chase of a, of a vehicle with three passengers or one driver, two passengers, I should say. Um, at some point in this chase, Cain rammed the back of their car, shot at the vehicle, did not hit the intended target, hit the stepfather of that target. And then a lot of the other stuff going on, apparently three days ago, uh, the individual that he was intending to shoot was a man who is now being charged with molestation of a individual in Cain Velasquez's family who is under the age of 14 years old. We don't know what relation it is to Cain as of now. There's been suggestions of who it might be, but we're not going to really touch on that. Um, but Cain Velasquez did not shoot the intended target. He went at the, it hit the stepfather, who is not, I guess, no life-threatening injuries or anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Dominic, this is pretty fucking nuts. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like what? This is like the kind of stories that you only hear once in a, you know, once every five six years. You never see this kind of stuff. I mean, this is on the level of Aaron Hernandez of like O.J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously a lot different in terms right. of what was contained in there. But for a vigilante hit essentially gone wrong. I mean. This is absolutely insane, and I can't help but feel nothing but sadness for this whole situation. Yeah. Regardless of what comes out or, you know, whatever. Like, Cain Velasquez, you don't have to agree with the motives or the the method, I guess, of dealing with what's going on. And we don't even know if it's true or not. No day in court yet, but... You know, if you were a father or even as, just as a human being, it's hard not to look at it if everything is to be taken at face value and say, man, I get it. Right. Man, I'm not saying that they would do it too, but you can't help. It's hard to look at the situation and think that Cain Velasquez is like a bad guy. But, you know, Dominic, it's just very sad because this is probably going to fuck up his life for a while his family i mean who knows what's gonna happen and it's really a shame um but i guess that's just the the dark side of the moon sometimes you know it's just it's not a pretty life sometimes but any thoughts before we get into the fight talk I'm just I'm in agreement with you. It's super sad. It's a somber moment, a somber week for just the MMA community. You know, always a guy that's been beloved, a legend of the fight game. He's done pro wrestling. He's won titles everywhere. And uh, you like you said, you can just only imagine assuming all of this is from what we've been seeing at face value. True. Uh, what, what you know, how he was feeling and what's going on with the, just all sides of the spectrum. It's very ugly. It's very dark. You know, it's it's just uh, it's hard to kind of grasp uh, your head around, especially when it you know things like this don't happen often, especially within the MMA uh, community, the MMA world. So, again, I just uh, whatever sort of positive can come out of this situation, you obviously would hope for, um, and uh, hopefully, just in the end, justice will prevail. You know, for whichever side, but uh, it's just ugly, man. It's it's super sad. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better myself. We'll move on from that. Obviously, there might be more to come. I don't know. I hopefully anything in the future is more positive on that. And yeah, there, like you said, hopefully justice will be served. But really, Dominic, you guys are here for the fight talk, so we're going to move on to the main event. 
of this Saturday's card. Friends turned enemies, Dominic. Oh my. Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. A grudge match multiple years in the making at this mm-hmm. point. Some have even said that this fight feels a little too little too late. Yeah. Are you one of the people in that camp? And if, you know, whether you are or you're not, how much do you subscribe to this being a legitimate feud and not some sort of backroom handshake? You know, we're going to act like we hate each other, but really we're still yeah. boys. You know, what are your thoughts on all that? Uh, I th- actually think it's the perfect time. I mean, both guys are coming off losses to Kamaru Usman. They fought him twice for titles. They've lost both times. Mm-hmm. Both guys are kind of, you know, in uh, La La purgatory, Land, I guess. Yeah, purgatory, purgatory you know, because Colby is like the clear-cut second best right now in the world, but he can't go fight for a belt again. Who is he going to fight? Uh, Jorge Masvidal, kind of in the same way. He's obviously bumped back a few spots in the rankings, but if you're looking at big fights to make for 170 pounds – this is the biggest fight you can make right here. So I understand. I think it's great timing for both guys at this point in their career. It's a money fight for both. Uh, so I'm down hundred uh, percent for the timing. And as you say, for the, uh, the storyline, I have seen both sides, right? To me personally, it feels real. I mean, mm-hmm. from everything that's being showed in the embedded in the media day to day, we recording this on Wednesday on the countdown episode, there's like legitimate, uh, animosity that's the right word right animosity hatred just disgust with one another uh the storylines of how they're saying colby didn't pay one of his coaches and jorge or this is all going back to their att days um and then it kind of just started there and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse over the years with their title fights and all this stuff going on in the division so it's the perfect uh, accumulation of events to meet right here head on uh, here at UFC 272, and again, to me, it feels real. I can see where people are saying, oh, it's just a little business room. They're in the back, you know, shaking hands like Noah said, but uh, I'm going to go on the side of, I think it's pretty legit, Noah. What about mm. you? Well, let me just say that as far as, like, too little, too late goes, uh, I don't really believe that. I mean, and you're kind of right. It does kind of feel like a perfect timing because both guys have been beaten twice by the champions. So it's kind of like, well, I don't have really a fight for a belt coming up. So let me fight that guy that I legitimately hate. So, you know, it's the biggest fight that you can do right now in the UFC that doesn't involve like a Conor McGregor or a Nate Diaz or maybe Dustin Poirier at this point. I mean, Jorge Masvidal is at that level of those two guys I said before him. Not necessarily a Connor guy, but I mean, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. he is—he is basically uh, what's the word? Uh, raised himself to that level. Yeah. Yes. Obviously, with the 2019 that he had. Now, since then, it's been a little more bumpy. He's had two fights in two years, both title fights against Kamaru Usman, and both losses. Once was. The one he took on like a week notice and it like almost raised his star value even more. Yeah. You saw the, the obviously the pay-per-view buys for UFC 251 were massive. And then it was a pretty lackluster main event, you know, and Usman pretty much dominated the fight as kind yeah. of expected. Then they did an immediate rematch in 2021 and everybody kind of wondered why is Masvidal getting this rematch and, um, you know, there was talk that maybe it would be different with the full training camp and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then Usman knocked him out with probably my favorite knockout of that year. Brutal. Um, so it's been a little bumpy since 2019 when he really rose to be the star. Yeah. 
Colby Covington, on the other hand, I don't think people necessarily put him on the same pedestal that they would put, like star value wise, as a Masvidal or Nate or Poirier. But he's really kind of there. I mean, honestly, and I mean, a lot of people don't like the shtick. You know, they don't yeah. like the the character that he portrays. I don't know how much of it's a character, how much of it's a real. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I like to think that part of it's like kind of fabricated for the you know cameras or whatever but mm-hmm. um i while i i'm not necessarily like a fan of the shtick i mean i i'm not walking around going yes please give me more models on screen with you that definitely were paid to be there with and bang like, energy drinks yeah, and... you got like the maga hat and all yeah. the american flag stuff i mean that's fine like hey i'm not i ain't making a political statement there i'm just <laughs> right. saying like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm just, like, loving every second when he's... Yeah. I mean, it's a little cringe sometimes, you yeah. know? It's like it's like saying I love Henry Cejudo for the king of cringe stuff. It's just not really the case. Yeah. But I can't deny that it's kind of worked. Like, there was a lot of talk early on about if this was working for him, if he was really doing anything for his career. Even MMA on point made a pretty... A big video breaking that down, and they kind of came to the conclusion it hadn't really worked. But this was back when we were working at the Gardenland, Dom. This was summer 2018. <laughs> a while back. I mean, look at how far he's really came since then. You know, yeah. the 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 first title fight with Kamaru Usman, and really that feud, really feels like a big deal at this point. Like that second fight felt pretty big. It did. And yeah. A lot of that is thanks to Colby Covington. I mean, he is the heel. He's the bad guy, right? And yep. of the two. And, you know, that all started, this whole thing started with the feud with Tyron Woodley that really that was the fight that was too little too late. Yes, for sure. (laughs) But here with Masvidal, since Colby has now really elevated himself, but he's kind of, like you said, he lost that second fight. So there's really no title for him to go after right now. So it's like, well, what's next? We'll go after the BMF, a.k.a. you're also former best friend or I don't know. I don't know how... Oh, I would go best friend. Yeah. Um, and as far as like, do I really believe that the the hatred is real? Look, guys, me and Dominic, we our backgrounds in the WWE pro That's wrestling. Right. We were raised on it. We, we were love a good literally taught from a kid to buy into the theatrics. You know? Hell yeah! Like WWE is mostly scripted and fake and whatever you want to call it, but it felt real to us. Damn it! That's and once we got older, we started to become aware yeah. that not everything we were seeing was real. We didn't really care because we were able to just kind of get lost in it, you know? Yes, yes. And while we might be too old now to really watch today's product of pro wrestling, we became fans of real fighting. And yes. Even though real fighting may not have, you know, the the clear-cut... Uh, characters and storylines that you get in pro wrestling. Sometimes you get the makings like this, friends turn enemies, and it feels like a storyline. So I don't know if it's real or not, but I'm going to buy into it as if it is. I mean, I have no problem doing that. I get it. Not everybody has the same background as us, but to me, I don't really care if it's fake or not. Like they're selling a fight at worst. And if at best they legitimately hate each other and it's all, legit and it still does well for the pay-per-view yes Look, I, I i can't help but be invested in this fight and in this, these two guys who you know at 
the 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 see a, a friendship devolve like when you watch these videos breaking down what really happened i mean it's it's a bit of a somber tale and you know both guys are so adamant and vehement think of the word they're so adamantly opposite of one another in every facet of this story that it almost becomes yep. clear that like all right, well, one of you is not telling the truth. Yes, <laughs> but, yes. You know, and it just makes me more interested in it. So I think that this fight has the buildup of a really big fight feel and with no title on the line that's huge for the UFC. But the question, Dominic, do you believe that this fight will really deliver once they step inside the octagon? Because so many want to believe right now, and even the odds. Mm-hmm sort of tell you that Colby Covington is a big favorite. And I think the the majority opinion is that he's just going to wrestle Masvidal for five rounds and win a decision. Are you sort of leaning that way? Or do you think that this is going to be a much more exciting fight than maybe some of the negative fans are saying right now? Uh, I think it has the potential to be pretty exciting. I mean, we've seen Colby be okay with, you know, a stand-up war, just see both of his title fights with Kamaru Usman. But again, when you're going up against Jorge Masvidal, this dude's got legit, you know, one-shot power. And as we know, Kamaru does too. But uh, Colby was willing to take that risk. So I could see it. But, you know, in my head, ultimately, I do foresee, you know, Colby's going to want to grapple. He's going to want to wrestle. Uh, really stretch this out. That's what he said he wants to do. He said he wants to drown Jorge, essentially, make this miserable for him. Jorge, on the other hand, wants to keep this fight standing, wants to baptize him, as he likes to say. He said he wants Colby to be leaving on a stretcher. So uh, there is that small glimmer of, like, we could really be in for, like, this could be a banger. But the more realistic side of me does think it's one way or another. Colby, grapple fest, maybe get a finish, but late into the fight, or Masvidal comes out and gets a big finish. That's kind of how I'm seeing in terms of like the two spectrums. Okay, that's a that's a fair assessment. I, I definitely could see either one of those. I feel like the styles are so contrasting that I'm not really expecting like a fight of the year here. Yeah, and and really we shouldn't put that kind of expectations on it. I mean, no. the fight is delivering in the buildup. If it if it doesn't come to fruition in the octagon, that sucks. But, I mean, still, what a buildup, right? Right, right. <laughs> but the way I kind of see it right now, I don't think it's going to be a one-sided fight. I really don't. And here's kind of why. Jorge Masvidal was a guy who, in 2019, had one of the most just... One of the craziest, uh, most interesting runs I've ever seen. Ever, Obviously, yeah. yeah I just... He, his run when he knocked out Darren Till, and then when we at B-Dubs watched what is still to this day the moment that has, like, just... It feels like a moment that changed me when he <laughs> knocked out Ben Askren in five seconds. I mean, that felt like a religious experience. A right, holy experience right. watching that live. Feeling like I just saw a massive, earth-shattering moment live. Yeah. yes. And then the fight... At Madison Square Garden with Nate Diaz, I get it. The fight kind of got stopped a little short of what people were hoping for. Masvidal dominated that fight, and yeah, his performance was fantastic. It capped off an incredible 2019, and I get it. Since then, back-to-back losses to Usman. But let's be clear: Kamaru Usman is the best fighter in the UFC. Yes, 
just because Masvidal has lost twice to him since then does not mean he's some that he's not who we thought he was in 2019. I agree. I get it. He's a couple years older. I understand that maybe, you know, maybe some of the the five second knockout or you know the doctor stoppage. Maybe there's a little bit of luck in how high you know Masvidal's star power rose. But Jorge Masvidal was before 2019 and today an elite level welterweight in this division yeah i think a lot of people actually underestimate his skill set you know yes i completely agree i think he's gonna have an advantage in the striking here i think that's pretty clear obviously colby's gonna have the wrestling advantage and you're gonna see that battle play out i do think colby covington will get takedowns he is too he's too like like he, he's relentless. Yes, thank you. I'm yeah. struggling to find words. You're here. good. He's too relentless to not get those takedowns, in my opinion. Yeah. More so than even Kamaru was in the first fight yeah. with uh, Jorge. But I also think Jorge's going to find an ability to get up. Something I agree. that he did not do. In or stuff some, too, maybe. Yes, stuff. He has really good takedown defense. Yeah. Again, I feel like a lot of people are looking at that first Kamaru fight without understanding the context of the five yeah. days notice and all that. And the fact that Jorge did show some really good takedown defense he did. there. And good striking defense, which Colby loves to set up his takedowns with the peppering of shots up against yep. the fence. Jorge is going to be really good at defending that, at least in portions of this fight. So I think you're going to get some back and forth. I think it's going to be one of those fights where, depending on how long it goes, let's say it goes five rounds. Let's say it goes to a decision. I think it'll be pretty clear who won and pretty clear who won each round, but it'll be a 48-47 type decision. Mm -hmm. While if it goes four rounds and there's a finish, obviously the finish means someone won. But... I just feel like each round is going to have a clear winner. There's going to be a clear, like, Colby's going to get the takedown or Jorge's going to kind of wobble him, hurt him on the feet. So I think this will be a much better fight than maybe a lot of people are hoping for. And maybe that is a bit of uh, a... Maybe that's just me hoping for the best here. But I just don't really quite see it playing out the way that everybody's kind of expecting. I think Jorge has more left than that at this point. Yeah, you're not anticipating a one-sided just beat down from either. If it guy. was, it would say more about Colby, to be honest. Yeah, it would yeah. say more about him. But for you know, obviously, I, I feel like people's bigger takeaways. Like I kind of fear for that because I feel like people are just going to shit all over Jorge if that happens. But yeah, it would say more about how elite Colby is at this point. Yeah, it's an exciting fight, man. When, like you said, when you add the storylines into it, it just makes it that much more intriguing. Yeah. So now for the co-main event, we did have some shakeup going on since we were last on recording. Just a little. <laughs> so Rafael Squared is not happening again. Rafael yeah. Fizayev being able to work out his visa issue, but on his travel to the United States for this fight, he unfortunately contracted COVID-19, mm-hmm. and he's got it pretty bad, I'm pretty sure he said. Yeah. He's, he's actually like sick, sick from it, so... We hope the best for him and his recovery, but this is kind of forced to scramble to who's going to replace Fazaya <laughs> yeah. in this fight. And let me just tell you, there was people coming out from every... I've never, I've never seen every, so many people want to fight so bad. It's the most I've seen that's not involving Conor McGregor. So. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, 
literally, I mean, the guy, the guy, a guy that I knew from 10 years ago came out of nowhere and was like, I will fight. I'm like, I haven't seen you in 10 years, my old neighbor. Like, you know, it just felt like everybody was coming out of the woodwork saying, I'll fight RDA. You had names like Tony Ferguson being thrown around. Islam Makachev, the winner of last weekend's main event. But the UFC ended up going with Hinato Moicano, who is unranked. But Dominic, despite Mm. the discrepancy in terms of ranking here, Explain to the people why Hinato Moicano should not be overlooked, even on five days' notice at 160 pounds, five yeah. rounds. Tell people why he shouldn't be overlooked in this matchup. Yeah, guys, I get it, right? I mean, don't get don't get it twisted. I wanted Islam too. I thought that fight was huge. I thought it was a huge star making. We'll talk. We'll talk about that right. in a minute. But this fight is a badass fight. I really like the way these two match up with one another. Uh, it's definitely a tough draw for Moicano. As no already said, he, he literally, for those that don't know, traveled, just got back to Brazil. It was like a 14 hour flight. Yep. Literally picks up the phone and sees that, um, Zayev's out. He says, I'll jump in. He just landed in Vegas today after 19 more hours of travel on Wednesday, as we're talking, had to cut 20 pounds. It's five round fight. Wow, this guy's got big kahunas, right? Yeah. But uh, he's he's well-rounded. He's good everywhere. Great jiu-jitsu. He's shown an ever-improving skill set on the feet throughout his UFC career. He's always had a very tough strength of schedule when he was a featherweight. Now he's up at uh, lightweight. He's coming off of a great win less than a month ago, by the way, at UFC 271. It was Noah's biggest standout of the entire show ladies and gentlemen so uh while it is a tough fight it's a tough draw with all these crazy circumstances there's upset potential here and if moicano can win this not only the biggest win of his career but so many eyes being that this is going to be a pretty big pay-per-view in a co-maintenance slot against the number six guy in the world a former champion in rda i am personally ecstatic for this fight if i'm being honest Yes, out of all the options that were being thrown out, again, I mentioned Tony Ferguson, Islam Makachev, you know, these people, Paul Felder brought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, This was the one, Hinato Moicano, that is, that I felt was the most realistic and was also the one outside of, I guess, a potential Islam fight that I was most excited for. And I'm sure a lot of people would call me crazy for not getting more excited about Paul Felder or... um, uh, Tony Ferguson, but like Paul Felder, we literally saw that same situation play out <laughs> yeah, the with the same guy. <laughs> yeah. I didn't need to see it again because it yeah. was a great fight, but like RDA pretty much dominated. Like I just, I didn't need to see it again. Yeah. I'm saying like, if it was the one that got booked, I wouldn't be upset, but I'm saying over Hinato Moicano. Right. That's, that's what we're evaluating here. Tony Ferguson seems like a, a great, I mean, I'm, that probably is a great fight, but I'd rather, a Tony at this point in his career, I don't want to see him taking fights on short notice. I don't really mm-hmm. want to see him on five days notice. You know, he's struggling to win on full camps right now. Yeah. And struggling to really look good on full camps right now. He needs as much time as he can get, I believe, right now. Hinata Moicano, I even said this at, at our recap for UFC 271. I said... He's almost got me to believe in him again, but I've been here before with Moicano, where it's like right when you start to buy in yeah. and say he, he's a guy worth keeping an eye on, worth investing in, he kind of will fall short. Yep. Well, this is a big moment for him, but it's not the same. 
you know, a loss here doesn't yeah. throw him into the the gutter. You know, he's yeah. he's still a guy that I'm like mm, that performance was really good against Hernandez. He also has fought Fazayev. I believe that was his debut at 155 pounds. Actually, yeah, tough draw. You're right. Really is. And in that fight, the biggest thing that he, the biggest, I guess, blemish on his skill set is his lack of striking defense. Well, yeah, you know, RDA is probably the most consistent product the lightweight division has. Yep. Another guy that's just a buzzsaw, uh, good everywhere, mm-hmm. really can win a fight in any capacity, any fashion. That's why I think this is going to be a lot of fun. But I, I, I have a hard time seeing Moicano get the win. But I do, I could really foresee him making a great showing of himself. And again, kind of like how we said for Bobby Green last week, if even though he wasn't able to quite do it, a great showing that could maybe propel him in, into like a bigger matchup. Perhaps... Win or lose, him and Bobby Green should just go fight on full camps next. I don't know. Oh, shit. Yeah, good point. So I'm just throwing it out there. But uh, let's talk about the whole Islam Makachev thing and how, you know, Islam Makachev tweeted out that he would take the fight when it was announced that Fazayev dropped out. He said, let's do it. 170 pounds. We have unfinished business. RDA came back and said like 165 pounds in a division that you guys started, talking about Habib's promotion yeah, yeah. UFC. Then it was announced that, uh, I don't know if it was Okamoto that tweeted out that uh, RDA had signed to do the Islam fight. Yeah, at 170. Yeah, and that Islam had, was yet to uh, uh, sign. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, it was Hinato Moicano. So I understand if you're whether you're a hardcore or casual fan, whatever. I understand getting disappointed when you think you're going to get Islam Makachev and then you get Hinata Moikano. Hinata Moikano is great. Islam Makachev might be the next lightweight champion. So yeah. it's reasonable to be disappointed by the fact that, and especially for the quick turnaround, I mean, that'd be a pretty nutty concept. Oh, it'd be insane. Yeah. I also feel like Islam just shouldn't have tweeted at all. And I don't know if yeah. he's the one that actually tweeted this. I know a lot of people say yeah. uh, his manager, Ali, Ali Abdelaziz, sort of controls all his fighter social media. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he did. But it would be pretty dumb to do because now people are going to act like Islam ducked this fight. And, yeah. you know, and Dana even confirmed as such that he didn't accept this fight. He doesn't know why. He said he thought it was a done deal and then he didn't take it. Yeah. But let me be clear on how I stand on this. He shouldn't take it. And I'm not saying yeah. that because I think he would lose that fight. I'm just saying, why take the risk when, as of now, you're the rightful next contender? Now, I know there's a lot of talk. There's a lot There's a lot of stuff going on on the Twitters, on the Facebooks, <laughs> on the YouTubes yeah. that might make you lead you to believe that Dana White's going to give Conor McGregor the title fight when he comes back. We've talked about this literally on Monday. Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so. We won't dwell on it too much, but I think it's all a lot of noise right now. I think yeah. right now it's very much Oliver Gaethje are going to fight, and I think Islam is just there. Yes, and, I agree. Um, for him to take this fight with RDA on such short notice, it would be it, the positives that could come out of that by winning 
I don't think outweigh the potential negatives to losing that fight. Great way of putting it. And uh, don't get me wrong, I wanted to see it. I was all game. I'm like, look, if he oh, wants yeah. to be a gangster, I mean, here we yeah. go. Yeah. But at the now that it's, I can reflect on yeah. where we were yesterday or two days ago, and I can say that it there really wasn't much reason for him to take it at all. He just shouldn't have said anything to begin with. Right. Yeah, uh, I agree, and I, I loved your kind of thoughts on it in the DMs, how you put it here. Uh, at the end of the day, it would have been it would have been great, but mm-hmm. we're getting this. And I think, honestly, if you're looking at kind of comparing how this fight could play out compared to RDA versus Islam, I think this one has the makings to be a lot more fun, a lot more exciting, more X's mm-hmm. and O's than what that one would have had, if I'm being honest. And you have potential for a guy to really have a feel-good moment here and explode into title contention when he's been looked at as a guy that, oh, he'll win a couple, but then he'll lose a few, as Noah said. Right. This is you know Moicano's chance, and, and the hardcore fans, I think, know how good he is. So this is a big opportunity here. I respect the shit out of him for even doing this. I mean, you want to talk about gangster. This is crazy, all of the stuff that he's <laughs> going to have to do, and it's not even done yet. He still has to cut weight and everything. So yeah. I think this fight has a lot of potential to be – really fun and have some very big takeaways as well yeah a lot of credit that needs to be given here give him his flowers or whatever you want to call it to Hinata Moicano I will just say on the other side for RDA if he wins this Dominic I mean it almost feels like he's like one away from a title shot in his own right so who's to say that him versus Islam still doesn't happen here in the near future you know yeah very true RDA he he won the title. He lost it. He ventured to 170. Didn't do great. Now he's back at 155. He looked good against Paul Felder. So uh, you're right. He could very well be you know win this one and then have one more and be right back there for a potential title shot again. So there there is still a lot on the line regardless of who would have stepped in. But again, I love what we ended up getting here in the co-main event. Man, one more headline to go over for this card: the feature bout. Not enough people talking about this one, but it's hard. I get it. You got that huge main event. You had all this talk with the co-main, and you yeah. got the Cain Velasquez stuff and the Dana White interviews that are making all the buzz. But what's kind of getting slept on here, falling through the cracks of all this coverage this week, is Edson Barboza versus Bryce Mitchell at Featherweight. Mm-hmm. This is a fight that I am so perplexed it's, by. It's very my curiosity. Yes, <laughs> yes. it has my curiosity for sure. And it's I love the matchmaking. I'll say yes. that. Yeah. Um, Edson Barboza, I'm kind of surprised he slipped down to 10 here. I mean, we were talking about him. He was in his main event in August going up against Giga Chikadze yeah. in a fight that we thought if Barboza won, he would kind of be in the spot Chikadze found himself in come January where it felt like yeah. he was one away or people were hoping he would step in when Max Holloway fell out of the title fight. That could have been Barboza, in my opinion, if he had won that fight. Mm-hmm. He didn't. But he still has this. I mean, we, we've kind of gotten past the point of just admiring the, what this guy is doing at featherweight, considering we didn't think that this run would go very well when his lightweight run kind of came to an end. Yeah. But he's, I mean, he really is still fighting at a very high level. And he is the biggest challenge that young Bryce Mitchell is going to have ever faced in his career after Saturday night. I don't know what that's going to say. Because, again, a lot's going to be answered about Bryce Mitchell here. He's key in on this fight for Bryce Mitchell because if Mitchell dominates this fight, that's going to tell you a lot about what his outlook is. And also, if Edson Barboza perhaps adds another one to the highlight reel, 
That's going to also say a lot about maybe Bryce Mitchell needing to pump the brakes a little bit, Dominic. I'm curious, do you feel similar about these two at this point? I do. I love this fight. I mean, you want to talk about a striker versus a grappler, but this is co- this is the definition <laughs> of it if you look it up. I mean, we're looking at Edson, who has 13 knockouts with one submission. Bryce Mitchell's never even had a knockout, but he's got nine subs. So complete opposite spectrums here. Barboza, one of the most dangerous strikers we've ever seen in the UFC. He has knockouts in every which way that you can imagine. Bryce Mitchell, one of what? two or three people that have ever gotten a twister submission in the UFC. So both guys have been a part of some historical moments. And here we are. And no, it can't be said enough. You already mentioned it. I'm going to say it again. Mitchell's biggest test to date by far, you know, because he mm-hmm. faced Andre Feely in his last fight. He looked great. He showed a little bit of improvement in his striking offense. Defense wasn't incredible. And then he obviously has the grappling to fall back on. This is just a huge step above, not to mention He's coming into this fight having not fought since October of 2020. No, we haven't seen Bryce Mitchell in quite some time, but for Barboza, he just keeps fighting ever since he came back down to or came to 145. So a lot of X's and O's here, a lot of storylines. It is under the radar, but not for us, man. This is a fun fight. It's a big fight, and it really is one where I don't know. What's going to happen if I'm being honest? I, I, it's hard to talk about it because yeah. it's if we want it, we can just say over and over again how excited we are. Yeah. Because again, I love both these guys and how entertaining they are, and their fight styles are very fun to watch. But there's so much unknown about when these two meet. What's going to happen? You know, is yeah. Barboza, even though he's an elite striker and such a highlight reel at times. You know, is he is age going to get the better of him? Mm-hmm. Is he not going to be able to withstand? the level changes of Bryce Mitchell, who has a great round game, great submissions, but also is completely untested against this type of striker. I actually would argue his fight with Feely, he did show good striking defense. It was a fun fight. Mm -hmm. Andre Feely, again, not the level of Edson Barboza, and that's kind of where the argument stops. It's like, okay, I'm giving him credit for how he fought in that fight, striking offense, striking defense. But none of it really tells me he's ready for Edson Barboza on the feet. I mean, that's right. just what I'm saying there. So it feels like both guys have a clear route to victory. Both <laughs> guys could clearly get a highlight reel finish, or I could see this fight going to a decision. I almost bet on this fight to go to a decision. But again, I'm so not sure yeah. um, how these two are going to look, how these two are going to fight one another, that I'm avoiding it. That's just where I'm at at this point. Yeah, very exciting. More to come on UFC 272, but Dominic, we got some fight announcements to get into, but it does kind of start with UFC 272 because we lost the fight True. on this card. True. Jessica I out of her scheduled bout with Manon Fior. However, for Manon Fior, she did quickly get a new fight, That's actually right. a more highly ranked opponent than Jessica I. She now, as the number 13 ranked uh, women's flyweight, We'll take on the number four ranked Jennifer Maya on March 26th. That's UFC Columbus. Thank Damn you right. <laughs> now, my question, Dominic, take away the fact that we get to see this fight live and we would have <laughs> yeah. gotten to see the Jessica I fight on pay-per-view. Yeah. Do you like this fight more for Manon? Not just because it's a higher ranked opponent. Do you think it's a better fight versus the Jessica I one? Uh, yes to both. It checks both boxes <laughs> for me. Jennifer Maya obviously known for her grappling and jujitsu, but she's not afraid to like stand up. She's this mm-hmm. big. She's strong. And she's powerful. gritty. She's yeah. a dog. 
Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And for Fior, so technical, has that karate mm-hmm. background. Not many karate stylists that we've seen like for female MMA in the UFC. So very different from a different cloth, if you will. Uh, and it's just a bigger opportunity. She's going up against, you know, obviously Jessica I is a former title challenger, but the, I don't hold Jessica I in the same kind of status as I do Jennifer Maya. Jennifer Maya really did test Valentina, at least for a round. So she's shown vulnerability to the champ. So this is a much bigger fight. She can catapult closer to a title, uh, Fior, if she wins this fight. So I think it's it's, it's just it, it all worked out in her benefit, if I'm being honest, because I can still see her winning this fight, too. She's very, very good. And this is only going to be her fourth fight in the UFC, and you're already fighting number four in the division. I think it says a lot about what the UFC uh, believes in her as well. I completely agree. And we're going to move on to the next one. I mean, kind of surprising when this fight gets announced and not that many people are talking about it. That shows you what kind of week it's been for yeah, yeah, the yeah. UFC. Uh, Gilbert Burns and Helmzat Shemaev, the, the long rumored and planned bout between the two is finally going to take place, it, it looks like. I don't remember where this confirmation came from, but... It was Dana in okay. one of his interviews. Yeah, this yeah, week. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. why I put it on here. April 9th. <laughs> UFC 273, that is coming up here very shortly. Yeah, um, yeah. A fight that took a long time to come together. No shit. We're going to see it take place. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like we've talked about this fight a lot, but seriously, Dominic, this feels like the guy that's going to be next for the winner of Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards, which has still not been booked yet. But again, if Dana's word is to be believed, you know, as I don't know if it is, but let you talk now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, cue the LeBron, you know, meme where he's saying it's about damn time when he won the ring. It's about damn time. It's about damn time. Because we've been here in this fight. We've talked about, like, guessing the odds for this fight on a round table. I mean, this has been going on and on for what feels like months. Uh, but it's finally going to happen next month. It's crazy. April's already next month. But uh, it's a great fight, and it's the fight to make. You called it way before I feel like a lot of people did that this was the one you wanted you. Um, Gilbert yeah I got you uh, Hamzad is ready to be tested amongst title contenders I don't care what anybody says I think actually 99% of the community would agree with that statement anyway uh, and for Gilbert first off balls on this guy for even accepting this fight when he has he does not need to do this whatsoever mm-hmm. but it's kind of like the biggest fight he can have you know what I mean like if you beat Chemaev who is a star in the making, you're right there. You know, ding, you're going to, yes, you're going to build yourself. You're going to hold your spot in title contention. Uh, Cause that'll be a second in a row if he wins. Cause he dominated wonder boy Thompson not too long ago. So I love everything about this fight. I think it is Hamzat's toughest test to date. And truthfully <laughs> might be Gilbert Burns toughest test to date too, <laughs> even though he's fought Kamara Usman. So I love this fight. I'm assuming or no, there's two title fights on that card, too, in April. So yes. this is actually a sick-ass yeah. fight card, but I uh, love everything about it. No, you won't hear me complain one bit. Yeah, um, the whole reason why I was so interested in this fight right away, it's the same reason why I wasn't against Hamzat fighting Leon Edwards, if you remember, back at like the tail end of 2020 and the beginning yeah. of 2021. Um even though now it feels more warranted because Hamzad has since beat a ranked opponent in Li Jing Liang and is yeah. now in the top 15. 
Because Gilbert Burns at this point, sure, if he were to beat uh, the loser of Usman, um, Leon Edwards, or fights the winner or loser of this Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal fight at some point, or mm-hmm. uh, we have the uh, Vicente Luque's fighting. And Bilal um, Muhammad. Bilal yeah. Muhammad. Like if he were to get one of those winners or losers in the next few months, yeah. maybe that's enough to put him right back in line for a title shot. But what the problem with Gilbert Burns kind of has right now is, yes, he could just keep winning and make himself undeniable, especially I'm talking about if Kamaru Usman kind of stays champion. Things change if there's a new champion. If Leon Edwards wins, things change. But if Kamaru Usman, who is still as of today the best fighter in the world, so I have no reason to believe he will not remain the champion, I think that Burns needs something more than just, you know, another win to convince the champion that he's due for a rematch. Colby mm-hmm. Covington got that rematch, and uh, Jorge Masvidal got that rematch for reasons not just in the fact that, I mean, Colby Covington, in my opinion, was deserving of it, even though I know a lot of people felt Leon should have been in that spot, but I thought Colby was still proven to be the best welterweight in the world. Their first fight was so close that, like, yeah, you felt like they could run it back. He dominated Tyron Woodley, who, yes, I get how people feel about Tyron Woodley, but former champion, still yes. elite-level fighter. Jorge Masvidal more for the financial pay-per-view side. And again, you had that caveat of like, well, how would that fight go if there was a full camp, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right now, if you're Gilbert Burns, you don't have anything like that. Like, yes, you you had a really good round against the champion, but then you kind of got dominated the rest of the way. Yep, yep. Uh, Kamara made great adjustments and really took it to him in rounds two and three. A win over Hamza Chimaev, who is probably the biggest hype, biggest hype job that the UFC has had since Conor McGregor. Yep, would be the thing that says, "Hey, he's ready for a rematch." 100%. So to me, it's a no-brainer. This is why I thought Leon Edwards should take that fight back then because Hamza's hype was huge, probably the same level it is right now. At the end of 2020, all before he, he got sick. Yeah, yeah, even though he hadn't got the win over a top 15 opponent. He just felt un- like he was coming. Yes. So I get why it looked lopsided, but I thought for Leon that was a huge fight to really boost his stock and his name. And for Gilbert Burns, this is going to do the same thing. But it's easier said than done because he's going up against Hamzat Chimaev, who I still think might be the next champion. So uh, it's an amazing fight. And on that card, it's already got two title fights on it. I mean, come on. <laughs> Two great yeah. title fights. I mean, Volkanovski, Korean Zombie, and Jan versus Aljo, too. I mean, it's going to be yeah. a great night. Yes. On from there, the Lord giveth, and then he taketh away. We got a mm-hmm. fight added to March 26th. A fight gets removed. Michelle yes. Watterson versus Amanda Hebus has been moved to May 7th, UFC 274. Dominic, you pretty bummed? or? <laughs> hey, you know I was bummed. I'm a huge fan of both, especially Amanda Hebos. Uh I know it might not have been like the craziest fight, but I was looking forward to it. It would have yeah, been fun. Sure. But again, we did get that other fight added, so I'm okay with it. And this one didn't get bumped back too far, so uh, I still think that's the fight to make. It's been scheduled a long time ago. Here we are again. Uh, but yeah, it gets moved. No big deal. We still got 15 fights as of now, knock on wood, for March 26th. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Dominic told me that he was versus Watterson, which should have been the main event of UFC. Okay, now he's just, listen, (laughs) 
co-main event. Anyway. <laughs> Finally, the women's flyweight title will be on the line. Come She's UFC 275. This is the card that we had just talked about because Glover Teixeira versus yep. Yuri Prohaska has now been moved. I don't know if the UFC have came out and said that. Maybe they did. But Glover confirmed it last week because he was yeah. there for the fights. But now this is your co-main event of UFC 275. Valentina Shevchenko, Ooh. the now women's pound-for-pound number one. Rightfully will so. look to defend her title against Taylor Santos. Mm-hmm. So Dominic... Uh, Taylor Santos, you know, the question has now become, look, I know what we just saw, Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena, so I'm going to hold my, you know, I'm not going to do what I did to Lauren Murphy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where I said that she has no chance or whatever I said, you know. And it, wasn't, it, it wasn't exactly on her side, let's say. But for Taylor Santos, you know, just how much of a threat does she actually bring for the champion, Valentina? Yeah, um... First off, can I just say, anytime Valentina gets booked, I get so giddy and excited. She just, I don't know, she has something on me. I love watching her fight, and here she is again. Um, Taylor Santos, we've talked about her, I feel like, a lot on this show. We, we give her the respect that she rightfully yeah. deserves. Um, she is well-rounded. She's good everywhere, but it's Valentina Shevchenko at the end of the day. So does she pose a threat to Valentina? When Valentina has been there and done that against any type of stylistic fighter you can name, you'd probably say no. So as much as it is the rightful person to get the title shot, no, we kind of had that thing where I was like, ah, maybe not. But then you said, yeah, and I'm shocked you didn't say it. And I'm like, yeah, no, you're right. I agree with you. We had that back (laughs) in the day. Um, So I am glad that she's getting this opportunity, even though she's number five. Forget the number. She's riding hot right now um, compared to the rest of the division. So it makes sense tall order biggest test of her life if she shocks the world we just saw it happen more recently so i'm not saying it's impossible no i'm actually going to say she does propose a propose a threat to (laughs) propose Propose. let us know what's the right one (laughs) i believe she does have a threat (laughs) yeah yeah there you go to to the champion valentina and you know it's hard to say that because like you just said valentina shevchenko is so battle tested so proven but again you know you have i keep uh, now even more than before i'm looking at this whole amanda nunez thing and it's just yeah yeah her losing to juliana pena in the fashion she did i don't expect valentina shevchenko to really have whatever happened there um, I'm not saying she can't lose. Actually, I think Taylor Santos is a much more credible opponent. There it is. There than a Lauren Murphy or, I mean, shit, have everybody, basically. I mean, I think uh, she's on the level of Jessica Andrade. And I know That's how that fight went. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought Andrade was, like, at least going in. I thought this is a higher level opponent than Valentina usually faces. Yes, that, and that's how we feel about Taylor. Yes, even though she's ranked number five, I think she's clearly the outside of, I guess, her and Andrade are basically number two right now in my yeah. eyes. So yeah. if, if for nothing else, I feel like Santos at least is going to, you know, present some sort of a threat, a grappling threat maybe. You know, you saw Valentina get controlled for a round. That's what everybody loves to talk about against Jennifer Maya. But yeah. um, besides that, didn't do much for her but i think taylor santos could be the one but we'll pump the brakes on going too far for for now we'll see how i feel come june right 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, and real quick, just for what it's worth, rumored right now that event to be in mm-hmm. Singapore. So a little something different for the UFC. We'll see if that comes to fruition. But yeah, one FC, they're coming for it. Yeah, right, right. Uh, before we get back into the fight talk for UFC 272, we have some news stories that we missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some smaller stories here. Still pretty big some of them yeah of course you know just stuff that probably won't have the same level of uh attention and talk that the big and now big things we just talked about were pfl dominic has reportedly matched bellator's offer for kayla harrison and even went as far this is from ariel hawani's to say she is expected to sign in the coming days are you kind of happy this is about to be all over, or are you still a little bit disappointed that Bellator is not going to be the move? Well, Noah, is it, though, is my question, because, yes, this came out, and it was a big deal. But then within the hour, Kayla's tweeting about how frustrated she is, and she still seemed very up in the air about what she wants to do. She's tweeting Chris Cyborg, even putting the at in the tweet and telling her to come to ATT and all that no. shit. But uh, I don't – I still just – I don't know. I'm not going to believe anything until I see an announcement that says she signed with somewhere. For all I know, she's going to sign with Invicta or some shit. I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, I think this is big that the PFL is willing to – they want to do whatever it takes to keep Kayla because she is the face of their company. We've talked about it time and time again. They re-sign with ESPN. You have to think that Kayla was a big part in ESPN wanting to keep the PFL on their programming. So – I'm at the end of the day, I'm not going to be surprised uh, if the PFL gets her. I think it is disappointing to a certain extent if Bellator, I'm, I'm not even really going to discuss the UFC. It seems like it's clearly PFL Bellator. <laughs> yeah. So it's upsetting a bit that Bellator would not get her. We might not get to see the potential Kayla versus Chris Cyborg fight. I feel like that's a huge opportunity for both. Um, but at the end of the day, she has to do uh, what makes the most sense for her. She's made it clear that, finances is what she prioritizes most now with the two children and whatnot so at the end of the day whatever's best for kayla is what i'm here to support but i just i'm not if it if she goes to pfl there's going to be a part of me that's like damn what could have been you know in bellator see dominic just gave a really thoughtful answer to that and my uh, answer is going to be uh let's get ready for julia bud so uh, <laughs> yeah that that's probably what it is <laughs> That's the biggest fight we have coming up now for Kayla Harrison. And, you know, it's, it, it's fine. Um, it's still her, her biggest test, technically. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's her life. It's her decision. But, you know, it's disappointing, I guess. But, you know. Yeah. Who knows? Hey, Chris Cyborg's contract is apparently going to be up this summer. So uh, She could come to PFL and try and get one more belt. <laughs> she could go to the know? PFL. Wouldn't that be nuts? If that, just dude, flipped, talk about a switch. If we got that fight and it was in the PFL, like, what the fuck wasn't on pfl would be just so laughing at everybody too you know (laughs) i mean and then you gotta maybe you did see the cat zingano fight fell out the fight that she had just gotten booked in so maybe cat zingano is gonna get that chris cyborg fight now i guarantee that's what happens yeah but more to come on that uh, our ongoing conspiracy continues on uh following that sam alvey he was making headlines momentarily (laughs) he he was he announced on his youtube channel and i did not verify to see if this is true that sam alvey has a youtube channel but apparently he does yeah um he announced on there that the ufc informed him that they will let him fight out the final fight of his contract dominic 
while you never want to see someone like, you know, you never hope that someone gets a release or anything, is is it a little does it feel like the UFC are giving him a fight when he is less deserving at this point due to the caliber of fighter he is than guys that are getting cut? That's oh yes. Oh, I don't know. That was a that was a word vomit question, but you know. No, I mean you're saying essentially there there are guys that we see get cut from the UFC, or even not given contracts on the contender yeah. series. You know, do is it feel like we are that Sam Alley's going to get that final fight at someone else's expense? Who's he's taking up a roster spot that could go to someone else? Yes, very much so. Considering he has now tied BJ Penn for the biggest losing streak, I think, in UFC Which history. Which is crazy because I remember looking at that yeah. BJ Penn streak and almost like being like sick. I was like, why are they letting him fight this much? Yeah, so, I think it's eight losses in a row. Sam Alvey matching that—that's crazy. Yeah. So uh, look, smiling Sam, great guy, always fun to see during fight week. But at the end of the day, this fight shouldn't be happening. Uh, who knows what type of matchup they're even going to do for it, but it is the last fight on his contract. So I guess that means win or lose, that's going to be it for him. So I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to slight the guy. I like Sam Alvey, but it, when it's coming at the expense of even potential, like younger talent, um, you know, I mean, even like a guy like Kai Kamaka comes to mind off the rip, who was like two and two or two and three, but a really young guy that still has potential and he gets cut. It's things like that that make this a little bit bothersome Man, to me. Deep cut right there going for Kai Kamaka. I like it. We both like yeah. Kai Kamaka. Yeah, he's a Bellator know, now. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Alvey. He he's kind of um it's obvious that the UFC like him. That's that's what he's a company guy. Um he's in that camp of Andre Arlovsky's of mm-hmm. uh, some of these other guys who are old older fighters, Donald Cerrone, Joe Lozon, Jim Miller's the difference is that a lot of those guys, not necessarily Donald Cerrone at this point. But they're winning. A lot of those guys are winning some of these fights. You know, he's just yeah. not. Um, but I I almost respect the UFC for being like allowing him to fight out the contract. But then, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's our, everybody just, it feels like if you have anything nice to say about the UFC or Dana or the Pete. People just like get so mad at you. So it's like, I know. Is it really worth for me to put that out there and people yell at me for Sam Alvey? I mean, he's going to get a fight that he's probably going to lose, and that's going to be it. And we're going to forget about it within, I mean, literally the after hour. we're done talking about it, we'll forget <laughs> about it. So yeah, who really cares? But I, I do, it feels like there might be a deeper point to like, if I had more energy or more to give right now, more left in my head, I might have a rant for you here or something, but I just don't have it today. I just don't. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Last one. The opening odds, Dominic, were released for a potential Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira fight. And as of today, I don't know if it's as of today, but as of like the beginning of like the week. Like two days ago, yeah. yeah. Those odds had Islam as a minus 400 favorite. Tell me this is blasphemous and the disrespect being shown to the champion right now. Yeah, I'm fucking sick of it. Now, listen, Islam Makachev is phenomenal. I get it. He's <laughs> he amazing. might win. He might win. He, very much so. Four to one against Charles Oliveira. How? What does it take for Charles Oliveira to get? Has Charles Oliveira? I think he's been a. Is he? I, he was an underdog against Chandler. I'm pretty sure. Yep. He was an underdog against Dustin Poirier as the yep. champion. Yep. I'm pretty sure, I don't know if as of now, he's still an underdog against Gaethje, but he was at least when the odds were when first they, released. Yep. I mean, it's 
ridiculous. Guys, come on. <laughs> like, I'm okay. I, I understand if Islam's like minus 150, minus, even like a minus really? 200. I get really? I, I I do get it because Islam is that good. Oh, man. I, I, like, I think anything more in favor of Islam than a pick is blasphemous at this point. Really? I, you know, I understand Islam is dominant. And again, yeah. he might win that fight. But this Charles Oliveira is doing great things before our yes. eyes. Yes. You know, it's and it, maybe it is a bit like, you know, when Stipe fought in Ganu the first time. You know, is it a bit like that where it's just people are so, you know, like when Hamzat fights, fights Kamar Rusman, is Hamzat going to be a favorite? Ooh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, probably not, it. but like, it's. So I kind of get it in the sense of like people really like Islam, really believe in his talent, and only one loss in his career. He's yeah. really backed it up almost every step of the way, and the way he's dominating people. I mean, again, I wouldn't blame anybody for saying I'm taking Islam in that fight, but man, it's like I just feel like there's a lot of disrespect to I the know. champion right now, who has got a title defense, who's fighting the best guys in the division and winning. I don't know. I uh, maybe you're right. Maybe I sh- I'm just too much up Oliver's no, ass. I don't know. I get it, man. I get it. It is at the end of the day, he's still getting disrespected. We're talking about the champion who's won ten fights in a row. What are uh, nine of them via finish? I mean, come on, guys. It's just we we get it. We like Islam, but just put some respect on Oliver's name, yeah. please. Now to the rest. Oh, yeah. A lot more for UFC 272, and it starts right where we left off on the main card. Kevin Holland is back. He's made the drop to welterweight. He comes in as he's he's still ranked number 14 at middleweight, but this is at 170 pounds. And he gets an interesting matchup with Alex Oliveira, the other cowboy, as you may know him. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was surprised when this matchup got put together. I understand Kevin Holland's had his struggles ever since he had that triumphant 2020, and 2021 wasn't his year. Just put it that way. Yeah. But Alex Oliveira has had a lot of struggles on his own. So coming in here and really from when this fight got announced, I think it's a tough fight for Alex Oliveira. I think Kevin Holland is so explosive on the feet, has a lot of range and reach. Um, the fact that he's going down in weight is interesting. He he never really filled out at 185 pounds. So I don't think the weight cut to 170 is going to be a problem. And he's just going to be the bigger guy in there. And I just think he's going to, per- I think he, God, here it goes again, proposes a lot of threats to Alex Oliveira, who maybe is just past his best days at this point. Yeah, I agree. I think Ariel said today, again, this is Wednesday, he was already at like 180, so only 10 pounds to go. He's just not a big guy. But for 170, he's 6'3", has an 81-inch reach. Like, I think this is his weight class. So I'm very excited to see Kevin. We we called for it a while ago, and I'm really curious to see how he'll look. I think it is going to be his weight class. Uh, It is and it isn't weird matchmaking to me. I, I think at least by giving him Oliveira, you're giving him a guy that's been there and done that kind of, you know, good everywhere, or at least a threat everywhere. I know he's not been great. He's lost like six of his last eight. He's lost three in a row. But he's still a tough fight. So I think it's just it's an opportunity for Kevin to show what he'll look like moving forward at 170. So uh, I think we could be in for a big kind of statement for him to really say, I'm here. And 
you know, moving forward, let's get some bigger fights. Uh, so I am, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this one plays out. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I, you seem to think this fight might be a little bit closer, but like for me, when I'm saying weird matchmaking, it's one of those matchups that's, uh, I'm going to call it a showcase matchup where yeah, no, two guys are put together specifically. So one guy can have a showcase and Kevin right. Holland, in my opinion, even if he's going down to welterweight, if he's the number 14 ranked middleweight in the world, let's say he's 15, 16, 17 ranked welterweight right now. Um, that's a lot higher than probably Alex Oliveira would be. So yeah. Alex Oliveira, in terms of the competitiveness of this fight, it feels very skewed to Kevin Holland. Not saying Alex Oliveira can't come out here and show us something. I mean, Kevin Holland does feel like he kind of has something to prove here. Mm-hmm. But this feels like quite a a matchup where like almost like a like when you're going for a spike, like someone set like a setup for mm-hmm. Kevin Holland right here. Yeah, yeah. He just has to finish it off. Yeah. Following that on the prelims, a oh. really fun fight that needs to get more attention. Jalen yes. Turner, the tarantula. He's the guy that brings a real tarantula to most yeah. of his weigh-ins. <laughs> Oh yeah. I wonder how true. much I wonder how much that adds to his weight, by the way. Like what if he was like one fifty five or one fifty six and then that tarantula's like a pound and he's just like, oh shit. That's what are we fucking talking? Eight legged freaks? Anybody <laughs> ever seen that movie? That's a big wait, tarantula. Is, wait, is it? Is one pound a lot for a tarantula? If there's a one pound spider, my ass is booking it the other direction. Really? I don't well, know. Okay. Does anybody know? Okay, wait. Okay, yeah. That seems You're like right. a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying like for a tarantula. Tarantulas are like big in general. They are big spiders. You, they yeah, they're probably not a pound. You know that. Yeah, he does hold it in his hand when he weighs in. But it's he? probably not a pound. Like you're right. Once you, dude. <laughs> once you said compared to like regular spiders, I'm like, oh yeah, that shit has a pound. Anybody else who's getting like itchy thinking about <laughs> spiders? <laughs> Anyways, anyway. he's fighting the Aussie, I believe. I believe he's yes. from Australia. Jamie Malarkey, as the words of uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> So, Dominic, give the thoughts on this matchup. I know you have some notes uh, for some of these fights. Anything that we should be on the lookout for for either one of these two? Fireworks. I love this fight. I think this is a really <laughs> good well fight. Said. Yeah, I bet that's I written. I bet that's written there too. Fireworks. In my notes. Uh, I mean, you got two guys that are riding momentum after Rocky starts. You know, because Jalen sure. Turner came in from the Contender Series. Uh, and you know, kind of wavered. He lost Damn. a couple, like two out of three, but he's won three in a row. I think all of them, or yeah, all of them are via finish because all eleven of his wins are via finish. And for Jamie Malarkey, started zero and two, but now he's won two in a row. Both guys really tough schedules thus far through their early UFC career. Mm-hmm. I think it's just two young, bright prospects again in the lightweight division. By the way, Jalen Turner, six foot three, has a seventy-seven inch reach. He's very big for this weight class. I think this is going to be a really fun scrap. It is the prelim headliner above a potential title eliminator. I don't know how I feel about that. But still, in terms of like how this fight could play out, I get why they're wanting to kind of showcase this one. I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah, two guys that aren't getting the attention that they probably should at this point because yeah. I've been wrong about them before. I mean, I think I really thought Kama Worthy was going to bounce back against Malarkey and then Jalen Turner against Eros Medich. I really thought... Euros, I still think highly of Euros, but mm-hmm. Jalen Turner, man, is is really improved and is now using his reach to his advantage. And I mean, that's always big for him. It's yeah. a fight of two guys that I'm finally on board with. So it's kind of a shame that one of them has because one of them, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Following that, we get an interesting fight that may determine a number one contender, Dominic, while we wait for Rose Namajunas to potentially get her next title defense announced against Carlos Barza, as we assume. I hope. Marina Rodriguez, who's had a great run, very under the radar run over the last year, takes on the woman that Carlos Barza beat in emphatic fashion to potentially earn that title fight when it happens. Yan Zhao Nan. So Dominic, getting a potential number one contender fight on the prelims here, I mean, I feel like that kind of says this fight is being overlooked. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but I just think they deserve kind of like a main card slot. Like, I mean, if, let's be clear, like Greg Hardy versus Sergey Spivak should be on the main card, but I feel like we're losing. I feel like every time I say Greg Hardy shouldn't be on a main card is like a breath that I'm going to wish I have at the end of my life. So it's like, why even say it? <laughs> That's a good analogy, <laughs> Noah. But I I like this fight. Uh, Marina Rodriguez on a tear she went three and zero in 2021 uh looked great every step of the way i mean none of the fights were even close she looked so good uh jean onion john jonan however you want to say it uh you know started her ufc career six and oh but then she got dominated by carla sparza however carla sparza also kind of did the same thing to marina rodriguez i think that was I always get confused because marina had two draws and then one loss i think carla was the loss carla yeah was the lost i'm pretty sure yeah that's what i think and then she has two draws she has a weird kind of run to start a ufc <laughs> career this one no grappling 100 going to be on the feet so you have the much more kind of short stocky you know jaunan versus marina rodriguez who's one of the best muay thai practitioners there is in women's mixed martial arts right now so good at use, utilizing her range so good in the clinch i, I personally feel rodriguez just has way more weapons to kind of get this fight done, pick her shots. But, you know, Yan Jaunan looking to prove herself as well, get back in there. Uh, I, I like this fight, man. It's a great fight. Now, I do admit that I feel like it's one of those fights where I'm actually catching myself going in, feeling like I'm underestimating Jaunan Yan. Jaunan Yan, I know I yeah. said Yan Jaunan. I think Jaunan Yan, I believe is how we're supposed to say it. Um I feel like I'm overlooking her in this matchup because she did get beat pretty badly by Carla Sparza. But before that, she felt like she was kind of the next she one up. Yeah. Um, but Marina Rodriguez, man, I was so impressed by her run this whole year. I mean, mm-hmm. luckily, since we do this show, I've really had to watch a lot of the fights that she's had that maybe if I didn't have a podcast, maybe I wouldn't watch those fight nights you know, where she's headlining with uh, Mackenzie Dern or Michelle Watterson, but since I've watched them, she looks great. She's good, man. And I just really like her potential as, I mean, I know it's been a weird run and I still want to see her defend the takedown. Mm-hmm. Mackenzie Dern was a weird fight where she kind of did, but Mackenzie Dern just really had a bad fight. I mean, let's just, yeah, let's true. To spade. But overall, Marina Rodriguez was literally on my list for Women's Fighter of the Year last year. I believe she was one yep. of her nominees. Yep. I, I think with the win, she clearly is next up. Or even, dare I say, maybe on the <laughs> same level of yeah. Carla Esparza for a title shot. But Carla having a win over her would kind of negate right. that. But for Jonan Yan, a big bounce back opportunity. And really with the win over Marina, that might be enough considering how highly I think of Marina. 
to say that she could get the next fight after Carla, honestly. Yeah, very true. Very true. After that, Dominic, Umar Nurmagomedov, the Uh-oh. cousin, nephew? Of Something Habib. like that. He's, he's in the Habib <laughs> Nurmagomedov family. Yeah. Unlike yeah. Saeed. <laughs> right, from Bellator. <laughs> no. Uh, or no, Saeed, Saeed in UFC too? Yeah, he had Oh, his, sorry. He had, he was he fought on one of the cards earlier in the year, but um Saeed is not related to Habib, right. even though I thought that like the entire time I was watching that card. Every right um, to, you know. Umar Nurmagomedov, though, related to Habib, he is honestly a phenomenal grappler, comes out of that Dagestani yeah. uh, realm of just people that are that are bears. I mean, they're just human bears. Like that's what they are. Yeah. And he is fighting Brian Kelleher in an interesting matchup, man. Brian Kelleher is like the perfect prelim fighter. You know? I know just, he is. He, he, he'll win some, he'll lose some, but really, man, he always just lays it all out mm-hmm. there. And, and he never really gets dominated in fights. That's kind of the thing about him. Like he'll lose fights. He'll win fights, but it's always close or, competitive or fun to watch like you never see him get dominated and for a guy like Umar Nurmagomedov I mean dominance is kind of expected here yeah yeah I mean he's the biggest favorite on the card I think he's like a minus 675 right now Mm -hmm. which is saying a lot against a veteran in Brian Boom Kelleher who's been in there with a lot of good competition uh I think this is gonna be just kind of a dogfight man grapple heavy we're gonna get to really see Nurmagomedov be tested you know with his uh, biggest opponent to date. He's only one to know in the UFC, so it's definitely a test, but one I think he will pass. But Brian Kelleher can still make some noise. It's not like a stroll in the park for Umar, but one that if he does win, and especially convincingly, I think it says a lot about his potential. I feel like for Umar, like if his last name was anything else, I'm not sure that the odds would be this skewed. I think there's a lot of expectations that we're starting to see that come with the last name Nurmagomedov. And yes, he looked phenomenal in his debut. He's undefeated, I believe, as a pro. But I think the fact that in your second pro fight you get Brian Kelleher, I mean, it's a tougher fight than those odds would tell you. But it's a necessary test that he needs to pass here at this point in his career. Very much, yeah. And finally... Men's flyweights being slept on here. Number 13 versus number 15. Tim Elliott. Just a guy that's just a dog. always. Yeah, man. That guy, again, almost what I just said about Brian Kelleher, I would say about Tim mm-hmm. Elliott. Like, yeah. a guy who, again, he, he he gave Demetrius Johnson one of the toughest fights of Johnson's I'll entire, never forget it. Entire defense history. Yeah, that was a fight that he earned by winning the ultimate fighter. That was his debut in the UFC was fighting Demetrius Johnson for the title. And he gave him a really good run for his money. You said you remember, I'll let you talk about that momentarily. <laughs> he's going up against Tahir Ulembekov, who is another, you know, he's, he's a guy that I think a lot of people haven't come to know because his fights haven't been the most exciting. Yeah. But a guy that doesn't make many mistakes. He's very, composed very clean fighter um always comes in with a really solid game plan and usually doesn't take many shots either it's a tough fight for tim elliott but like i was just saying if you could say the same thing about kelleher a guy who never seems to get dominated in his fights 
Yeah, it's very much like Kelleher versus Nurmagomedov. It really is, except, you know, we do have rankings on the line. We have, you know, potential top 10 opponents next on the line here. Tim Elliott been there and done that. Like you said, I always remember being in our, our dorm in college, and it was right after the Ultimate Fighter finished. He got that opportunity against DJ and had his moments, man, where he was really close to winning. Didn't he have uh, like a rear naked choke or something? Had him or... in a couple submissions, if I remember correctly. He's he's really good grappler, but a guy that's really improved his striking along the way, too. He's been in the UFC in two stints, uh, so he's just had a long run of things. So a lot of experience in his favor for this. But uh, Ulan Bekov is another guy that just looks like a lot of upside. So uh, mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see kind of how he arises to the occasion. One thing I can say about Tim Elliott that's different than Brian Keller is I feel like Tim Elliott's biggest issue is that he tends to fight up or down to kind of his expectations or his level of competition. And what I mean by that is here he's a pretty decent underdog. So yeah. history would tell us that Tim Elliott's going to really come out here and surprise us with how good he's going to look. Right. Meanwhile, when he's a big favorite against a short notice Brandon Roy Val, who, yes, I know is doing big things, he kind of got stomped by Roy mm-hmm. Val. And that was yeah. one of the biggest uh, like newcomer performances of that year. Mm-hmm. It just, for me, goes to show that like, Tim Elliott is consistency has always been kind of the issue for him. Again, like I said, huge yeah. underdog against Demetrius Johnson nearly won the title at some points. I mean, it was yeah, crazy. So it, for him, he can be an elite uh, flyweight. I really believe that it's just putting the string of fights together has been the issue, a win streak together as you can see that on his record book all day. Yeah. And, and a win over him does hold weight, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So yeah, I agree. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this weekend preview of UFC 272, mostly. Uh, let us know your thoughts on all these fights we talked about, all the news stories going on. I mean, it's been a crazy week, people. It has been hectic. If you blink, you're missing something. Hopefully, we about covered everything. I'm sure by the time that we get done recording and post it in the next 12 hours, something else is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. and we're going to miss something. But... That's the whole point of doing this on Thursday so we don't miss anything. But, you know, you can't. Tight gap. (laughs) Outside of doing it live, this is the best you're going to (laughs) get. Yes. So, again, let us know all your thoughts on everything just going on this week. Um, Tell us which fight you're most excited for. What fight are we sleeping on for not including in this episode? Um, We kind of forgot to do our outro as our intro, so we're going to do it here. As our outro. (laughs) So, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Diesley14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact with us, with the show, on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. If you go to the link in my bio, it'll take you to a link tree, which presents you with a list of links to all the platforms the podcast is on, along with social media platforms that includes. But it's not limited to. The Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, it's all on there. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out. to Anchor. Uh, First, leaving a voice message. If you have any thoughts about anything in this episode, any questions you would like to ask your boys, you have up to 60 seconds. You can leave that voice message there. There's also a link if you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast. Any and all financial support is appreciated. And we'll go back to improving the quality of this podcast. That's it, Dominic. We're out. If you don't watch the betting show, we'll see you on Monday.